Welcome to the Christian Faith Center podcast. We're glad you're joining us today. Here's a message from one of our pastors. Hey, if you have your Bibles, can you open up to the book of Galatians chapter 2, please, this evening? Galatians chapter 2 is where we're going to start. And uh, tonight is a continuation of my series I've been doing the past couple of months about family values. And, and really, as I start to wrap this series up, um, you know, we'll have this week and next week will be the last message in the series. But um, I think it's important for us to identify, and I know the Lord thinks it's important for us to identify, our identity in him, right? We, we need to know who we are, right? And so tonight's message is called Identity Crisis. And if you look up the word identity in the dictionary, it's amazing how something, this concept of identity, can be so confusing when you just look at the definition for what the word identity even means. So if you look it up, you'll get something like the fact of being who or what a person or thing is. Thank you. Yeah, what, what does that mean? Or it gets even better. The distinguishing character or personality of an individual. Okay. The state of fact Remaining the same one or ones under varying aspects or conditions. Anyone getting clarity yet with this? No? Good. One more. The condition of being oneself or itself and not another. And it's amazing. And, and you look at the news and you look at what, what a lot of people struggle with. They struggle with their identity. Now, now, why is that a case? Well, you just simply look at how we define identity and how is anyone going to have clarity about their identity if the definition of identity makes no sense? That's the world we live in. Just thinking about it gets me confusing. Just, just thinking about the, the term identity can be very confusing. But what is identity? It has to do with you and me. has to do with ourselves. has to do with how we view ourselves and, and how we view ourselves in relation to something else, right? And it's sad because a lot of Christians are, are having an identity crisis. A lot of Christians are. They, they either don't know who they are in Christ or they don't know where to start. They don't know where they're going there's just something that's missing, and that's not what God wants for us. He doesn't want us to be confused about who we are in him. He wants us to be confident in who we are in him. He wants us to know our identity. He wants us to know our identity in Christ. He wants us to know the direction that we're going, the purpose that he has, the strength that he has, the peace that he has. God wants us to know who we are in him, and he wants us to have an encounter with him. You see, the apostle Paul had an encounter with Jesus, and once he had this encounter with Jesus, it rocked his identity. And if you're looking at Galatians 2.20, he says, I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by the faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. In verse 20, again, he says, I've been crucified with Christ. I'm dead because of Christ. I no longer live, but it's Christ living in me. See, this was a conviction that Paul had. This is like, why, why did Paul start so many of his letters as Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, right? Or an apostle called. Why? Because he could have been called a lot of different things. People could have identified Paul as, oh, that guy from Tarsus, or the guy with the Greek upbringing, or the guy with the Jewish name, or the guy that studied under Gamaliel, or the, or the guy from the Sanhedrin, or the Pharisee, or that guy that watched Stephen die, or, or that persecutor of the church. He could have had a lot of labels slapped on him. He could have been really confused about his identity, but he was not. He had an encounter with Christ, and it solidified what his real identity was. He was a servant of Jesus Christ. He was an apostle that was called. Just like you and I are the same thing. 
We're servants of Jesus Christ. We're apostles that have been called. Amen? And see, sometimes a lot of people will try to slap a label on us, right? Oh, you're this, or you're that, or you were the guy that was here, or you were the girl that was here, right? They try to slap these labels on us, and if I just listen to what they are saying about me, I could be really confused. But if my identity is not in my past, if it's not in my present, but it's in my relationship with Jesus Christ and in the future that he has for me, then I'm going to be sure of it. Then I'm not going to doubt. Then I'm going to know the plan and purpose that God has for me. We have to remember that our, pa- our identity doesn't lie in our past. It rests in our future with Jesus Christ. Our identity rests in our future with Jesus Christ. Our past has been crucified when we met Jesus, and now you and I, we have a new identity. Let's pray before we go any further. Father, we come to you again in Jesus' name, and Lord, I pray that every single person hearing this, Lord, receives from your Holy Spirit, that, they, that they're not just enticed by, by clever words, Lord, but that they're moved by the Holy Spirit through the scriptures that we read, through the revelation that we get, Father, that we are radically, dramatically, and fundamentally changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Lord, I pray that after hearing this, Lord, we are never to be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. If you can, turn all the way back to Genesis chapter 1. It's like one of the easiest books in the Bible to find, right? Don't you feel good when pastors like turn to Genesis or Revelation? You're like, oh, I got that one real quick, right? Genesis chapter 1, please. We have to start in the beginning because our identity mattered so much. Our identity mattered before we were even born. In Genesis chapter 1, we have to know our identity. We have to know that, that what happens when, when before we were even born, what happens? Because you matter. Isn't it nice to know that you matter? You matter. Tell the person next to you, you matter. I, was, I can make a fun science joke and tell them that they are made up of matter and matter, but we're not going to do that. I'll wait till Sunday when I get more science teachers in the room, right? But we matter. Isn't it nice to know that you matter, right? Isn't it nice to know that you're noticed? Isn't it nice to know that God notices you? Isn't it nice to know that you matter to God? Aren't these all really great things? Like, like Jeremiah, it says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Isn't that nice that that's also a promise for us? That before we were born, God knew us. Before we were born, we were set apart. Because that's the identity that we have in Christ. It's that. It's that hope. It's that confidence. It's nice to know that before, you know, we knew us, God knew us. Before your family knew you, God knew you. That's awesome. See, that alone can change your entire life. When you get that revelation that before my family knew me, God knew me, it means that my calling is not just down here. My calling is to something greater. My identity is in something greater. And in Genesis 1.26, we're going to read about how we were made because knowing how we were first designed, us humans as mankind, is so important. Because I feel like this is just get, gets get lost in translation. The longer we go in life, the easier it is to forget something so foundational. Look at verse 26. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, the livestock and all the animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. How did God make us? Man, let's, let's make mankind. Let's make every single person in our image in our likeness to do what to rule 
So you were not just made in just some old haphazard fashion. You were not just made by accidents. You were not just thrown together with leftover pieces. You and I have been made in the image and likeness of Almighty God. The same authority that God had that he gave to Adam and Eve. He said, go, multiply, rule, take control over it. He's given that authority to us. You're not made in some like second rate image. You're made in the image and likeness of God. You have, you're like a copy. You're like a statue of God. That's what those words mean when you dig into them a lot longer. You know, we're, we're made to rule. We're made to have dominion. We're not just made to kind of hope things get by. We're made to take authority because God has given us the authority. Now, the authority was lost in the Garden of Adam and in the Garden of Eden, right? It was given away by Adam and Eve. They said, we don't want it. We're going we're gonna to not trust you, God. We're not going to trust the, the, the one rule that you gave us, right? Don't eat from that tree. That's it. That was the only rule that they had. One rule. Don't eat from that tree. Anything else you could do. Name the animals. Call them whatever you want to, right? Just don't eat from that one thing. But, but what happened? They, they rejected God. And how many of us know that God doesn't make worthless things? Amen? It says in Psalm 18.30, As for God, his way is perfect. The Lord's word is flawless, right? We serve a God of perfection. We serve a God that is flawless, and he makes good things. He doesn't make bad things. He makes very good things. You are a good thing. Turn to the person next to you and go, you're a good thing. Don't forget the people behind you. Say, you're a good thing. Some of you mean that. That's great. Some of you are like, stop making me say things. Okay, I promise that might be the last time. Maybe, but... God doesn't make bad things. Now, to know that you're made after the image and likeness of God since the beginning of time should change us on the inside. Well, if I'm made in God's likeness and image, then I should carry myself, not, not pridefully, but confidently, right? God doesn't want us to be full of ourselves and go, oh, I'm made in the image and likeness. No, he wants us to be assured of that thing. I want my son to know that he is my son. No matter what happens, he will always be my son. He shouldn't be cocky about that. Well, there's nothing cocky to be about, but I want him to be sure of who he is as a part of my family. God wants us to be sure of who we are in a part of his family. See, from the beginning of time, God was intentional with his plan and purpose for us. It was to mirror him. It was to reflect him. It was to bear an image that resembles him. It was to rule. It was to have authority. It was to relate with others out of genuine love. Why did God create us? Out of, for relationship. He didn't have to do any of this. He's God. He's self-sustaining. He's self, he, he doesn't need a single thing, but he wants to relate with us on a very personal level. And we were made in his image and in his likeness to do the very same thing, to relate to people the way he wanted that perfect relationship with Adam and Eve and all of mankind. Perfection. No, 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 no doubts, no unbelief, no, no, dis, no not, you didn't want any of that. He, from the beginning of time, God wanted us to know how valuable we really are, to be made after his likeness and after his image, given authority, created for closeness with him, because that's what God wanted, the intimacy of the garden. Isn't it nice when you go on like a stroll with somebody and out and just walking and you see like the, the beauty of, the, of God's world that he created nature and you just take it all in those like moments where you're like man wow god is so real god's so powerful now imagine walking enjoying all of that with the one that created you and the creation that's what the garden of eden was it was perfection they didn't need anything that's what god wanted he wanted a perfect relationship with the creation that values the creator but but what did adam and eve do they had an identity crisis right 
Adam and Eve had an identity crisis. Like, well, I don't know if God's really that good. I don't really know if, if, if God's telling me the truth. I don't really know if God's trying to hide something from me. So we'll try this. Disconnected themselves with God. Spiritually disconnected themselves with God. They doubted God's relationship and motives. And they, they gave their authority over to the devil. They said, we're not going to serve God. We're going to serve you. We're, we're going to disobey God and we're going to serve you. And they gave this over. But thank God the story doesn't end there. Amen. Thank God the story doesn't end there. From that point until Jesus, right? We, we looked like our father. We had his characteristics, but we didn't have a direct connection with him. When we read about the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament, how the Holy Spirit had no place to, to descend and stay. Why? Because they were spiritually disconnected from the father. There was no way for the Holy Spirit to stay and rest in sinful man because their spirit was full of junk. It was full of disobedience until Jesus, until Jesus, because then when he came, he, he changed everything. Turn to Ephesians chapter four. Jesus changed everything. He also changed our identity. See, our identity changes when we meet Jesus. Our identity changes when, when we have that relationship with Jesus. Because before that, we were, we, we were just kids kicked out of a garden, right? No longer are we kids kicked out of a garden, amen? No longer are we, you know, you don't belong. No, we've changed from the inside out. What does Paul say in Galatians 2? It's not I that lives, but what? Christ in me. So how do we prevent ourselves from, from experiencing this identity crisis? Well, we have to focus on the change that takes place. Because when I focus on the change that takes place, then I, then I realize, well, who I am in Christ and what did God call me to be? Look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22. Paul writes, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Put off your old self. Put off. That. The way that that word is used, right, the, the way that we put off something, it's an action that is for us and about us, right? So it's like if I, if I say I'm, I'm moving, right, it's about me, and there's things that I have to do for me. He's saying, put off. It's an action for us that we have to do. It's a thing for us that we have to do. And the way that this word is used, right, this action of putting off, it's, it's that tense that I'm going to do it and don't stop doing it. So, so think about this for a minute. He's telling us, listen, there's something that we have to do. It's about you and for you. It's about you and for you, and it's something that you have to do, and you have to keep doing and keep doing, and keep doing. What does that mean? I have to put off my old self. Now listen, once you give your heart to Jesus, you're righteous. Signed, sealed, delivered, right? You can sing it. I'm yours, right? <laughs> once you give your heart to Jesus, you are sealed. Your spirit is as righteous and holy as Jesus is. But that's not the only part of you that gets changed, right? That's the part of you that's permanently changed, but I know at one point I'm going to have a new body. I'm going to have a resurrected body. I'm going to have a, 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 a purely clean, righteous soul. But for right now, right, my spirit is righteous, sealed is what it says in Scripture. What do I have to do? Well, all the stuff that I've been forgiven of, I can't just keep throwing back on my back and wearing it, right? 
the stuff that I'm dead to, right, the stuff that I have put off when I gave my heart to Jesus, I can't pick it up again and throw it back on me and keep walking around because that's not who I am. That's not who we are. I got to take off that junk, and when it tries to jump back on me, I got to take it off again. And when it tries to jump back on me again, I got to take it off again. Why? Because Paul says, put off your old self. Take it off. Keep it off. If it tries to get back on, kick it off again. If it tries to jump back on, kick it off again. Why? Because so many times the devil wants us to doubt who we are in Christ. And what he will do, right, is bring back your past, bring back the person that you're trying to avoid, bring up the, the past hurts, bring up the past mistakes, and to try to get you to temporarily put that old junk back on because he wants to hold you down. So what do we do? Put off your old self that's being corrupted by its deceitful desires and be made new in what? The attitude of your minds. So your spirit is as righteous and holy as it will ever be. But what are we doing daily? We're renewing our mind daily because I have to get this, this word of God in my mind. This is not just going to automatically transfer if I hold it against my head long enough and hope that things just pass. It doesn't work like that. It works when we study and read about our inheritance, right? Pastor and I, we talk about this all the time. The Bible is your inheritance. If you had a billion dollars buried in your backyard, and I tell you, it's there, would you go dig it up? Three of you, right? The three of you that are nodding would go dig it up. If not, you'd go hire someone to dig it up, right? If there is an inheritance buried and it's there and it's a promised thing, you would do whatever you can to dig up that inheritance, right? The best part is your inheritance isn't, isn't hidden someplace. It's right here. It's in the Word of God. It's it. It's right here. But what do you do? We, we, we take off our old self and we be, or we're made new in the attitude of our minds. We put on the new self, created to be like what? Like God in true righteousness and holiness, right? Getting back to the image thing. How do I get back to the garden? I got to take off my old self, put on my put on that righteousness that I've been given through Jesus Christ and live out righteously. You've been made righteous and you can live righteously, but the living righteously is a choice. I choose every single day. Am I gonna, am I going to follow the ways of God? Am I going to dig into the word or am I going to be distracted by going down the tunnel spiral of the internet videos that pop up in my browser, right? Do you ever do that? Do you ever click one video? And you're like 20 minutes later, where did my life go? Clicking all these other useless videos, right? About celebrities doing, who cares, right? I've been there. If no one else did, I've been there, right? You just click a video and you're like, oh, this is interesting. Oh, Avengers. What's happening with the Avengers, right? More Avengers movies, right? Plot thickness. Ooh, plot twists. Ooh, I didn't, ooh, I didn't catch those Easter eggs. Who cares, right? You look back, you're like, what, what did I do? Because Why? I wasn't renewing my mind. For that short period of time, I wasn't renewing my mind. Some of us take off our old self and then pick it up again. Drop it. Let it go. It's not you anymore, right? Listen, Colossians 3.9 says this. Do not lie to each other. Since you've taken off your old self with its practices and put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge of what? The image of its creator. Your new self is being renewed in the image of its creator. It's getting us back to the perfect relationship that God wanted to have with us. When we what? When we renew ourselves, when we renew our mind, the knowledge of what? The image of our creator. Because you look good. Now, turn to the person next to you and say, you look good. Come on, say it. Go ahead. 
You look good, right? Your image, you look good. That's better, right? You look good. Your image is good. Hey, listen, if you don't feel like your image on the outside looks good, it doesn't matter because man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the what? Heart, right? God looks on the heart. You can look in the mirror and go, I don't look good, but you know what God sees? God sees beauty. God sees drive. God sees a plan. God sees his son. That's what God sees. Devil's going to tell you, I haven't changed. You're the same person. You'll never be well. You'll never be happy. You never have direction. They're all lies. You put off that old self when you said yes to Jesus. Don't, don't try to drag it along with you, right? Don't, don't take off that old coat of all that old junk and then hold on to it and drag it through the mud and then try to throw it back on. Just let it go, amen? Renew yourself in the knowledge, right? The knowledge that, that of, of what God has made you to be. Turn to John chapter 5, please. See, changing our identity starts when we change how we view ourselves. Changing our identity starts when we change how we view ourselves. If you find John chapter 5, we're going to look at verse 1. As you're turning, I heard a story one time about uh, an eagle, there was a baby eagle that fell out of the nest and was found by a bunch of chickens, okay? And so as, as this eagle was growing up, he was raised as a chicken. He walked like a chicken, he ate like a chicken, he tried to squawk like a chicken, he moved around like chickens, he did chicken things, right? Eagle grew up as a chicken. And then one day he looks up and he sees this, this thing flying in the sky. He goes, what's that? And his chicken friends go, oh, it's an eagle. But that's not us, we're chickens. Eagle goes back and keeps eating his food, right? What's the moral of the story? If you identify as a chicken, you'll never realize that you are an eagle. Amen? Right? That, that, that bird grew up in the wrong environment, hearing the wrong things, doing the wrong actions, the wrong routines, the wrong patterns, and, and for the rest of his life, he'll think what? He's a chicken. Once you get a revelation of your identity in Christ, you're not going to be thinking you're a chicken and wondering what it's like to be an eagle. You will soar with wings of eagles. Amen? See, it's all about when you realize, when you, when you identify with who you are in Christ, when, when you start to change how you view yourself and align it with God's word, you, you will start to get this revelation of who you are in Christ. You can't change your identity. You can't be confident in who you are in Christ unless you change how you view yourself. You, how we view ourselves has to be aligned with the word of God, not the word of man. Amen? Now, John chapter 5, we, we know this story. This is the, the pool of Bethesda, right? This, this sick man who's been there for years. Let's look at verse 1. John chapter 5, verse 1. It says, sometimes... Later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem. So he just got finished preaching a whole and sharing a whole bunch of parables, right? So he's talking about the kingdom of God. He's sharing all these parables. And now he's at the pool. So verse, verse 1. Sometime later, Jesus went to Jerusalem from one of the Jewish festivals. And now, verse 2, there was, a Jew, there, was, there was in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, which is surrounded by five color, covered co colonnades, right? Verse 3. Here, a great number of disabled people used to lie, right? The blind, the lame, the paralyzed. Verse 5, right? One, one who was there had been an invalid or sick for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked them, do you want to get well? Now, stop for a minute. Notice what Jesus asked this sick man. Do you want to get well? There, there are people... Right? This guy's been here for 38 years. 
He's been in this condition for 38 years. He's been surrounded by other sick people for, for God only knows how long, right? He, he's surrounded by these people, and now he meets Jesus. And then Jesus asks him, do you want to be made well? There's so many times that people are sick that don't want to be made well. There are so many times that people are broken that don't want our help. There are so many times that we want to do the right thing for that person, but we can't because they don't want to get well. Even Jesus, right? If you look at Matthew 13, don't go there, but when Jesus goes to Nazareth, right, he's teaching. The people are amazed, and then they get confused about Jesus' identity. Isn't this the carpenter guy? He can't do it. He's just the carpenter. He's Joseph's son. He's the guy that built my bench in my house. So what happened? Jesus couldn't do anything. Instead of, instead of seeing him as the son of God, they saw him as a carpenter. And, and what happened? No miracles, it says, because of their lack of faith. If Jesus was limited by people's lack of faith, why do we think that we can do something different? I can't change people. I can't make them want to be well. I can show you. I can open the door. I can show you how to walk through. But what is Jesus saying? He says, do you want to be well? Because if this man who was sick for 38 years did not want to identify as being well, Jesus could not force him to do it. The Son of God made flesh could not force people, could not twist their arm to be well if they didn't want it. When Jesus is walking, and the woman with the issue of blood, right, before she grabs him, all these people are touching Jesus. But it's one record that we see of someone who was healed at that moment because she moved in faith. She didn't see herself as just a sick person. She saw herself as, there's the answer to my sickness. I'm going to do everything I can. I'm going to break every social norm to grab the bottom of his robe because that's what's going to heal me. We don't read about all the other people that touched Jesus that were healed. Maybe they weren't. Maybe because they were just like, oh, there's that guy. There's that prophet guy. Not there's the answer to all of my problems. If I just touch him, I know. If I just grab a little bit, I know. That's why he says, do you want to get well? Don't let a lack of faith stop us from receiving our miracle. I'll say that again. We cannot let a lack of faith stop us from receiving our miracle. God wants us to see ourselves, right, the way he sees us, complete and totally restored, completely healthy and whole. I want to release the power of the Holy Spirit in my life like never before. I can't do that just watching stuff online that just distracts me from God's plan. I got to dig into the word. I got to make sure that I understand the principles and promises that God has for me and say, this is who I am in the spirit. This is my body. You have to respond to what the spirit of God says in me. You have to respond to what the word of God says, and then what's going to happen? I'm not going to be sick for 38 years. I'm going to be sick, but then be made whole. Look at verse 7. He says, Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water's stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. So what was really stopping him? Excuses. Well, well, you know, I, I would like to, but someone jumps in front of me. Or I would like to, but I have no one to help me. Isn't that a lot of people that we know, right? They, they, they want help, but there's too many excuses. They just put up more roadblocks in front of themselves to, instead of having the breakthrough that, they, that God wants to have or for, instead of praying for them and, and releasing the power of the Holy Spirit in their lives, they're, they're putting in roadblocks. Well, you know, I want to be healed, but I don't think it's for me. I'll tell you what, it's not for them. They're not going to receive anything. 
They're not gonna. If if Jesus couldn't do it, what makes us think that we're gonna do? We're gonna we're gonna bend the laws that Jesus followed. It doesn't happen like that. Well, I, I I can't. Someone cuts in front of me every single time. Stop making excuses. But look at verse eight. Look, ready? This is awesome. Jesus says to him, "Get up, pick up your mat, and walk." At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat. And he walked. You know what's amazing, right? This just came to me reading this, right? Not in my notes. Jesus said at once, right? Pick up your mat and walk. No one ever told him that, right? For 38 years of his life, no one said just pick up your mat and walk, right? But when the words come out of the word, right? Jesus is the word. We know that, right? When the words come out of the word, something gets stirred up in that man. Could you imagine, right, him there, right? I'm going to be dramatic here, right? I'm going to sit down, right? I'm going to sit down here, right? Not moving for 38 years. Now he's here. Jesus says, pick up your mat and walk. There was an action that had to take place on behalf of that man. He had to start by putting his hand down, right, and shifting his body weight and taking a step. Then he had to grab his mat, and with every muscle fiber, he's realizing more and more, oh, my gosh, I'm healed. There had to be a response on this man's side. But what happened? He, at that moment, as soon as he started moving one muscle fiber, as soon as he started shifting a little bit, he's realizing something's different. His identity was changing. He was no longer identifying as a, as a man stricken, stricken with this illness for 38 years. He's realizing something's different. Something's different. Something's different. Oh, my gosh, I'm walking. Oh, my gosh, I'm holding my mat. Why? His identity changed. He had an encounter with Jesus. He owned his health. His identity was changed. No longer was his identity in the sickness. No longer was it, was it in, 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 the, in the past. No longer was it in the excuses. It was in the here and now. This is health. This is it right here. So you, you, you can't see yourself as healed and sick at the same time. You can't see yourself as, as a child of God and the son of the devil. doesn't work that way. You can't see yourself as whole and incomplete. You can't see yourself as a success and a failure at the same time. It's just conflicting with each other. This man didn't see himself as sick from that moment on. He saw himself as well. See, we have to see ourselves the way Christ sees us, not captive, but set free. Amen? God wants us to see ourselves as being set free. How does God see us? Well, we have to understand what's our identity in Christ. And In Hebrews chapter 8, we'll have the verses up here. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 12. It says, for I will forgive their wickedness and I will remember their sins no more. See, the first thing we have to realize is that we've been forgiven, right? God does not remember our sins anymore. The sins that you did, the things that you've done in the past, even the things that you do going forward, God forgives you and forgets it and moves on. See, we, we, we have the trouble of holding on to it. Jesus says, if you forgive, my Father in heaven will forgive you, right? You forgive others, you ask for forgiveness, you'll be forgiven. It's a done thing. But the devil wants to keep chirping it in your ear, right? Ah, oh, can't be that easy. No, when you're a child of God, it is that easy. Because what was challenging was what Christ went through. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. Isaiah 43 says this. I, even I, he, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and remembers your sins no more. He blots them out. That, that word sake is like an accounting term, 
right? It's like very specific. It's something that, you know what? It, um, it's calculatable. I'm just going to completely zero it out and wipe it away. He, 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 blots, he doesn't remember them anymore. It says in Isaiah, he's put all of our sins behind his back. We've been forgiven. Realize that. The second thing we've been is we've been made righteous. Romans 1.17. Just for therein is right, the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith as it is written, the just will live by faith. See, righteousness reveals when we respond in faith to the grace of God. Therein is righteousness, the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith as it's written. The just will live by faith. See, the more we move in faith, the more we realize who we are in Christ. We realize the righteousness that we have is not something that's out there, it's in here. And when I step out in faith, I see how faithful God is. It kind of gives me a boost of confidence. When I'm moving from faith to faith, from glory to glory, I have to take a leap of faith. And when I see that God has my feet there, I'm more confident in him. What are we trusting God for? What are we putting our faith in God for? Because if the answer is nothing, then you have to evaluate, then is it all about us? If I'm not trusting in God for something, that means that all of the onus falls on me. That's not what God wants. He doesn't want it to be all on me. He wants me to trust in him, to rely on him, to do more than I could ever do. That's what his word says. I want to do exceedingly abundantly above all you can ask or think. Most of us are just praying, Lord, help me get by. He's like, oh, come on. You could do better than that, right? You could do better than that. In the word, my word I left you, it says you could do greater things. We're conquerors, amen? Romans 8, 37 says, no, in all these things, we're what? We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. How do you be more than a conqueror? If you if you're conquer something, right? I love saying this. Come say it again. If you're conquered something, right, you had to go through the process of conquering. You either had to get the troops behind you, make a battle plan, figure out where you're gonna go, figure out how you're gonna attack, right? And then you go fight, you war, you right, and then you conquer. If you're more than a conqueror, all of that has already happened, and then you just reap the benefit of it. That's what it means to be, in a, be a child of God. He sees us as conquerors. He's already fought all the battles for us. Just walk in victory. That's what he's telling. Just walk in victory. Trust me. Walk in victory. You're suffering with an addiction. Trust me and walk in victory. Don't light up that cigarette. Trust me to help you get through it and then walk in victory, right? Little things like that. If I offended you, I'm sorry. I still love you, right? Oh, Nick, you know. No, I don't know, but... It's true, right? What are we trusting God for? We're a conqueror. You are more than a conqueror through, through Christ, right? Through Jesus. You can't be more than a conqueror by ourselves. It's through him who loved us unconditionally from the garden till today. It's all about him. And we're found. That's the last thing. We're, we're, we're forgiven, we're righteous, we're a conqueror, and we're found. Mark 10, 39 says, he that finds his life shall lose it, and he that loses his life for my sake will find it. Sometimes when we feel like we're losing everything that matters to us, God is about to pour out everything that matters to him in your life. When you feel like I'm losing everything, 
Just be ready. Be like, Lord, I know this looks bad, but you know, you have me in the palm of your hand. I expect that the next thing is going to be what matters to you, and I'm ready for it in Jesus' name. Nick, it's not working out. Don't stress. Just expect God to help you. Nick, I feel lost. Don't look around. Look up. Nick, I feel weak. Well, now you're primed to see how strong you are in the spirit. Nick, I feel useless. Don't worry. Now God can really show you what you're worth. Amen? You are forgiven, righteous, and a conqueror, and you are found. That's just like a little appetizer. That's just like a little bit, right? There's way more than who we are in Christ that we don't have time for, okay? Now, now here's the last thing here, last main point. Turn to Colossians 1 if you're following along with me. Your identity is one of power and authority. Your identity is one of power and authority. From the garden, he made Adam and Eve in his image and likeness to do what? Have a power, have authority to rule and reign. See, the devil hates when you hear a message like this. Hates it. When you get encouraged by the word, when you get stirred up in the spirit, when you're discovering who God made you to be, understanding our identity in Christ, he hates this. I don't care. Right? Because this is our inheritance. Colossians 1, verse 15 to 16 says this. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. See, he has the power, the rule, and the authority over all things. And we've been made in his image and likeness. That's why in like Romans 8, 17 in the Amplified, it says, and if we are his children then we are his heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, sharing in his spiritual blessing and inheritance. You're not like another heir. You're a co-heir. You get the best like the firstborn would get because you and I are co-heirs. You and I have power. You and I have authority to, to do whatever God calls us to do and not let the gates of hell prevail against us. Man, the, the power that Christ has, you and I have access to. The power Christ has, you and I have access to. The Son is the perfect image of God. He created everything, right? Thrones, powers, authorities, everything created through him and for him. See, what we couldn't do because of the garden, we can now do because of Christ. God wanted us to look like him, to model him, to use the authority he gave to us. But what was lost with Adam was given back through Christ. And God wants you to realize that his gifts, his grace, his power, his abilities to overflow to us and through us. He wants you to receive it and then let it flow through you. Don't doubt who you are in Christ. Don't, don't just think of your walk with Jesus as like a side dish, right? Or like, a, like an upgrade. I'm a big habit burger person, right? Anyone habit burger people? No? Oh, you're missing a good burger, Okay. Go out, you get, get some Habit Burger, okay? They have a side, or, the side, it's like fried green beans, right? It's like an upgrade. When I first went there, I'm like, just get French fries and a burger. No, I started getting the fried green beans as an upgrade. Man, it's a good upgrade. Our walk with Jesus is not a nice upgrade, okay? It's not like, well, I used to have fries, but now I got fried green beans, right? Now I'm making up. It's more than that. It's a whole new dining experience, it's not just a nice side order. Our walk with Jesus is a whole new experience. When we think of it as like, oh, a nice little add-on to my life, we're going to miss out so much. And God does not want us to miss out. Amen? As we close for tonight, you know, beginning we talked about 
Paul's encounter with Jesus, right? He says in Galatians 2, I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Paul was on the money with that statement. The life I now live, it isn't me. It's Christ in me. I'm living by faith. Some of us need to realize that and start acting like that. But before we even feel like I'm a child of God, I got to start acting like I'm a child of God. That doesn't make sense. Sure it does. You got a promise in the word, act on it. You don't think it's going to come to pass? You keep having faith in the promises of God and you realize it's not me, it's Christ in me. And when you start having to take those steps of faith, you're going to realize more and more how that righteousness gets revealed. And then you're going to be really sure of your identity and you're not going to have an identity crisis. Let's pray. Let's pray as we close tonight. Father, we come to you again in Jesus' name. And Lord, I pray that the word that you had for us, Lord, encourage all of us to be confident in who we are in you, to realize that you've given us power and authority, that we've been forgiven, we've been found, we've been made righteous, that we are a conqueror, Lord, because that's our identity. That's who we really are in you, Lord. And Father, I pray that as we go out this evening and as we continue our week, that we're more and more sure of that, of who we are in you. I pray, Lord, that if there's any of us in here that are struggling forgiving ourselves, that we forgive and forget and move on, that we don't put on that old self again that, we can, that we're being held back on that we've been forgiven of, Lord. I pray that we take off that old self and move on in what you have for us. And we pray for this in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed the message. If you'd like more information about the church or would like to support our ministry, head over to ChristianFaithCTR.com. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcasting app.